Hello, everybody. It's a, it's a spirited beginning. <laughs> Guys, welcome to Couples Book Club. Uh, we're your favorite couple. Obviously. Lauren and Isaac. Well, Brock and Michelle, maybe. Okay, top three. They're America's couple. Top but, three. <laughs> yeah. top, top three I'll take. Definitely in the top three. Um, we're married to each other, and we know how to read. And now you're gonna hear about it. I like that. I like that as like the the like slogan or byline. <laughs> we know how to read, and now you're gonna. We're hear married about to it. each other, and we know how to read. <laughs> That's basically. No, I, it's I not, it's I not inaccurate. It's just. I pretty seriously considered that we should name our podcast "Lauren and Isaac Can Read," but I decided Couples Book Club was just it's good. It's a good explanation. When I tell people about the podcast, I can say it's a couples book club. It's called Couples Book Club. I'm really kind of tempted to tell not my high school students, but my college students about it. Fucking do it, man. I may. To be like, hey, this is a literature class. Let me hear You want to hear about some other awesome literature? Yeah, I'm going to lay it down for you. Yep. <laughs> you should. Just, just turn my chair around backwards, wrap to the kids a yep. little bit. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yep. Cool, Professor. That's what um, I do. Before we get started on this week's book, I have a uh, uh, just a couple... I'm not going to say corrections. It's more of a clarification. So is that the errata section? Yeah, clarification corner. Errata, not erotica. No. But take that as you will. It might be. I'm not sure. I don't know what you're into. I feel like you have a decent idea of what I'm into. What? Are you I talking the, to I'm the... I'm the listener. Oh, the, the, the public at large. I just large. happen to be looking Isaac in the eye okay. while I said it. Creepy eye contact. Always a good thing. Uh, so my little clarifications corner... Um, one, um, I got a comment from listener Marjorie a few weeks ago about our episode on Fifty Shades of Grey, um, in which I said something about um, Christian Grey being paternalistic in a creepy way, and she was like, is it ever not creepy to be paternalistic? Was that, was that not my point in that part of that discussion? I think so. Or maybe it got cut. Maybe. Maybe okay. I edited out all the important parts. But um, no, there is not a way to be... Uh, uncreepily it's paternalistic. A, it's a spectrum of creepiness. Sure. So. But she is correct. It's it's pretty it's pretty much always creepy, and it's different from being just paternal, like someone's dad. And then the second thing was oh, when we were talking about um, our favorite psychopath James Fallon, who we hope doesn't sue us allegedly. Um, There's got to be a statute of limitations, right? It's like two weeks, and then it's. <laughs> it's two weeks and one day. We're safe. Yep, we're good. Cool. Um. I was talking about how he like thinks he's so great with the ladies, but um, said he was uh, a fat old dude. Um, I should clarify that neither being fat nor old means that you are unattractive. Um, just want to throw that out there, but that is he definitely talks about himself in that way, and it's not like what would be considered kind of like standard attractiveness. Um, he's not conventionally attractive, right? But. So, if you're into, um, like, convention. Right. Which he's not, because he's a psychopath. Also, the rules, don't, the rules don't libertarian belong to him. It's mostly because of libertarianism. Okay. Right. Uh, anyway. Park where I want. So you can be fat and or old and be super sexy. Um, you know. I turned 34 this week, so no judge. You're pretty old. No judge. Isaac turned 36 last week, so we are ancient in our mid-30s and we are killing it with this podcast that has dozens of, of downloads this is our, this is our uh, a rocket to the stars my friend <laughs> okay guys should we talk about the book that we read probably yeah at some point um for this week episode number six we read true believer by nicholas sparks yeah, we read it. Yep, we definitely read it. Right, I read the read the hell out of this one. It was read it so hard, almost cracked the spine on this. I read it so hard. Uh, I read uh, actually read a chunk of it on the beach, on the um, Chesapeake Bay over the weekend, um, which was lovely. Did that, did that work because of the uh, the like beach cottage scene? Yeah, it did. Also, it's it that great much more meaningful for you because you can pay like one third attention and still read seventy five pages per hour. I was actually doing other homework while I read this. Still got it. Yeah, 
I'm doing other homework right now while we're doing the podcast. Well, that's Great, true. Grading papers. That's because a couple of activities aren't important to you. Sort of, whatever, man. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so this it's is a good. Fine. This is a good place to air that. It's yep. So, yep. It's fine. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I guess what we would normally do is give a little synopsis of the plot. So Nicholas Sparks, um, if you don't know, writes these kind of formulaic, um, like cheesy romance uh, books, and a bunch of them have been made into movies, like The Notebook. Um, have you seen The Notebook? No, I haven't seen The Notebook. It's it's not bad. I, I mean, it's like. It's obviously like emotion porn, but sure. Well, and I watched a walk. I think I, I think I just like Rachel McAdams and stuff. Yeah. Generally, so kind of well, ambivalent on Ryan Gosling, but how? How can you be ambivalent about that? <laughs> I, I feel a special kinship because he's another ex-Mormon. So. He's okay in that. I liked him in uh, Drive. Drive. Um, that's him and Lars and the Real Girl, yeah, right? Yeah, Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah, that's good. He's really good in um, Half Nelson. Just a super fucked up movie. I think maybe I saw that. I don't remember. It's really good. Yeah, and this was a number one New York Times bestseller, and I hadn't even heard of this one. Um, but See, like, does all he have any that are New York Times bestsellers? I think they're all, yeah, bestsellers. So that's pretty much what I was expecting. But this one promised to be both a ghost story and a love story. Spoiler alert, there's no ghosts, and they tell you pretty much up front there are no ghosts, and then there yeah, are never I, any ghosts. Based on the, the Amazon description, I was definitely expecting there to be more of a supernatural element to it, so that was a little bit of a letdown. Bullshit. But. So, the people we're dealing with here are, there is Jeremy Marsh. He's a quote-unquote science journalist. Um, he likes to go around, like, debunking paranormal crap and like exposing psychic frauds and stuff and he's starting to hit the big time like he got a story on tv or something and prime, prime time live prime time live is it's that the, even a thing now it it probably was when this was this written is 2007 so. yeah i think that it probably was then yeah and so he um gets a letter from this lady doris who lives in Boone Creek, North Carolina. Um, he's like, hey, we've got this spooky cemetery thing happening. Um, you should come down here and uh, check out the mysterious lights. It's not ghosts, but you should come anyway. And he goes down there, and um, the it, the mayor is trying to like get more people to come to their like historic homes tour by by adding this like haunted cemetery part to it i was just imagining him as mayor mccheese for some reason it made me <laughs> really happy i was imagining him as boss hog so you know I, either way it works <laughs> um and but then it turns out doris's granddaughter is the sexy local librarian named lexi and lexi she, the sexy librarian yep oh, and yeah. she and jeremy butt heads a little bit but then um, the only thing button. yeah but then they like fall in love in like three days and it's like he's like really into her and he's like we can make this work and she's like I've been hurt before I'm closing I've closed my heart down you're just uh, gonna go away uh, like the last guy because I'm never leaving this town ever because maybe it's maybe awesome. you shouldn't push him away Alexi yeah God and so um yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you could probably do like a 10-word plot synopsis that would pretty accurately mm -hmm. capture the novel. They meet each other, There's, they're really into each other, and then they're like, we live different lives, you live in New York, I live in North Carolina, neither of us wants to change, one of us is going to have to change. And Lexi's like, it's not going to be me, and Jeremy's like, I guess it's me. The end. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't really... It's not like a meeting halfway thing. He pretty much just, like, caves and does her thing. I mean, I guess he still has his career, sort of, but... Um, yeah, because he can be a freelancer from there. He just he just fell in love with uh, Boone Creek. I mean, he's just... He's never met anybody like her before. I know, she's, she's you know remarkable. You how many times he said that? Uh, and not as many times as we saw uh, Inner Goddess in... That's true. 50 shades. That's true. Let's let's be clear about this. This was not as painful 
as uh, it was it was better written than both Fifty Shades of Grey and Left Behind. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say I would actively seek out another Nicholas Sparks book, but it was no, not. I wouldn't. It was not a painful experience to read it. No, I wasn't like invested, but I also wasn't like, oh my god, I hate this. It was really breeze. It was a breeze to get through. Well, he's he's a decent writer in that it's yeah. like pretty readable. And if this were like um, like a Hallmark holiday movie, I'd be like, oh, that one was pretty decent. Yeah. No, it felt like it kind of it kind of pressed those buttons. Yeah. And if that's what if that's what you're going in there looking for, probably fine. Right. It was not as bad as I was hoping, actually. Yeah, I definitely expected it to I be... I didn't even hate it. It was fine. Yeah. Not great, but, like, not even bad. It, it, yeah, it's one of those movies... It'd be like one of those movies you watch, you're like, this is going to be awful, and then it's like, eh, you can't even really make fun of it. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's not good either, but whatever. Well, I feel, I feel like on one level, I, I don't know this, I've not read any interviews or anything like that, but I feel like he has to be kind of aware of this. Yeah. And is like churning him out knowing. Oh, yeah. He's probably got like a Thomas Kincaid fucking like, like factories everywhere uh, where he just has people writing these for him. Well, he, yeah, he's got like the James. And M. Martin situation. The, the James Patterson thing where he just like writes an outline then farms it out to someone else to like yeah. actually write. Yeah. Allegedly, no. I've I've seen that confirmed. That's a thing that happens. Oh yeah, no. James Patterson definitely does that. I don't yeah. know if Nicholas Sparks does that. And Anne Martin did do that with the Babysitters Club books too. Yeah. No. I I I don't know. I I've heard nothing to that effect about Nicholas Sparks. So, but I just assume they're all so similar that like, it's like either, I don't know. In a walk to remember, the like complication is that the that Mandy Moore's dying of cancer. Spoiler alert on that movie that came out like 15 years ago oh yeah we still we still have to maybe do uh fault in our stars or whatever oh yeah yeah Come back to that later maybe um i don't know what it is in the notebook because i haven't seen it but isn't it she has uh spoiler alert i think she has like alzheimer's and so he's like retelling the entire like story of their love if i'm remembering it correctly okay i saw the movie a long time ago but I don't know. I never saw it. It's pretty. It's pretty good. Uh, it's kind of one of those things that I just was like, mm, lots of like women are into it, and then I have this like internalized That's misogyny sexist. that yeah. I'm just like, oh, gross. I don't want to like that. Yeah. Um. So that's on me. That's on me. It's it's worth seeing. I, I mean, like it's, a cheesy romance. It it is like emotion porn, but yeah. Um, if you're in the if you're in the right my headspace for that, I think it could work. Yeah, so True Believer, my first note is not really about ghosts at all, exclamation point. Yeah, that was sort of disappointing. So, like, the mystery at the center of it is that there are these mysterious lights in the cemetery when it's real foggy, um, and no one can figure out, like, where it's coming from. There aren't any cars, like, roads nearby. Um, It doesn't seem to be, like, swamp gas or anything. Um and there's this like town legend about um of course a black woman who like curses the town or something when i read that part i was just remembering that uh the like cgi animation in uh uh parks and rec of the like native american curse (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah for the harvest festival yeah oh my god so good that that's that's what i was picturing when i first read that part and it made it brought joy to my heart not because of the book, but because of the, the reference. Right. Obvi. And he does a bunch of research in town records and, like, basically uses his science logic man brain to figure out that it has to do with, like, the fact that the land's sinking where the cemetery is because of the water table or something. Well, so that makes the fog settle there more because the it's lower lying. Right, so of. it's thicker there, and then there's it. He noticed that it was the new moon, so there was no other sources of of light, and basically it's like lights, like a train coming by, reflecting the lights from like the local, like, like paper, paper mill, mill or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah being reflected onto the lo- the hill and the fog in the cemetery and it's just like dumb 
and it turns out that the mayor knew what it was all along and well, was uh, it his his dad was the journal yeah his dad wrote the article this article that they that he eventually finds that jeremy eventually finds that's basically like we solved the mystery here's what it is but apparently no one read that article well he just wrote it he wrote it in his journal though Oh yeah, I guess because he so. did like he wrote like historical articles in his journal, but it's not like they were published or anything. Right, he was an amateur. Historian. He just liked to do that, yeah. Yeah. Also, this is like a probably beyond expected in this this kind of book, but like the semi semi horrific and ongoing like southern stereotypes mm-hmm. that go throughout this entire thing. Mm-hmm. Like, just his, Jeremy's first encounter with, like, Tully, the, like, gas station attendant. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. Like, I, th- I feel like I had to take a break and walk away from it for a minute after that, because it was just, like, really? Okay, like, but this also how... the, like, quote, like, New York City boy stereotypes, too. Were well, no, that's, like that, that was going to be my other part, that it's, like, mm-hmm. this, like, city versus country, like, tension that is just unnaturally set up for, like, no particular reason. He's wearing all black, and people keep asking him if he is going to a funeral. Well, his was it Alvin is the like photographer camera yeah, guy. Yeah, the cameraman guy who's his friend. Who's, who's got, like, tattoos like pseudo punk. Yeah, with his like Metallica T-shirt and stuff. But yeah, so like the city country stereotypes are problematic. That was another thing that reminded me of the like Hallmark aspect, where it's oh, just yeah. like these super heavy-handed like. What was that one we watched where uh, it was like a figure skating one where the daughter's name was like Chamonix? Yes. And it was awful but wonderful kind of. Uh, I kind of really liked that one. Well, no, that's what I mean. It's like it, it just like hits this like super predictable formulaic sweet spot yeah, that's actually no, it's, okay. It's like it's sometimes. like entertainment cotton candy. It's like if you don't want to be challenged, it's, you're eating it and you're like mmm sugar, but then you're like. This is kind of gross and really unsatisfying, but I want it, and I'm eating it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, page 55. Jeremy rolls into town at the at Herbs, the uh, or Herbs. I don't know. I said Herbs. Herbs. There's no apostrophe, so who knows? Well, maybe they say it like British, Britishly. Herb. I don't know, but at Herbs where Doris. Oh, Doris owns it. She's like a, a chef or whatever. Um, in addition to being an amateur psychic, she's a woman of many talents. She, oh, he goes there and he asks for a cappuccino. Like, have you never been to a diner before? Yeah, that's not. They gonna don't have, have that shit. Oh, uh, you know, city boys, right? Like, you're not in a fucking coffee shop. Like, you can get coffee, probably. Yeah. Po- possibly some, probably probably some tea. Well, yeah, several times they. I, I found that sort of odd how many times tea is mentioned. Yeah. Well, doesn't he travel a shit ton for these stories? Like, I can't believe he does. this is the first time that he's been... Yeah, this can't be the in, t- like, first time rural... he's been in, like, a rural area. Yeah, yeah. He has to have... Like a small town. ...encountered this. Or the like, south that, that, that's, that's rule one of New York City traveling is bring your own espresso. I don't know why he's... Bring your own espresso and uh, three black turtlenecks. At least... Sometimes he just layers all three of them. <laughs> it's like Steve Bannon. Yep. <laughs> well, he's going for like a like a like a K drums like layered turtleneck oh, kind of yeah. look. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they do weird fashion stuff on those. Fantastic outerwear, though. Oh God, yes! So many great coats. Um, also, Doris says, "Well, I'll be a lot." Well, and then they do the he's... like. Yes. And, and he does the like imagining it being pronounced like L I B. Yeah, which the isn't even L-I-B. how isn't even how that would sound. No, it's not. And he continues like, well, to do it. L I B, which is not the I B is correct, but it's not an L. It's not an L sound for the well. No. Wool, wool. Incorrect. Yeah. And then Jeremy thinks it to himself at some point, and I almost threw the book at the wall, but then didn't. Yeah. I one time threw a book at the wall. Uh, when my neighbor was listening to really loud action movies late at night up against my bedroom. That dude was a dick. Oh my god, he sucked. He sucked, yeah. Hey, he turned it down. That's when we were dating. Yep. I think that's when we were engaged. Oh, should we talk about their first meeting in the cemetery? Sure. Basically, he's just like staring at her like a creep. 
Well, and she's, like, southern sassy to him, mm-hmm. which he finds irresistible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going to her parents' grave because they died in a tragic accident. She's raised by her grandparents, of course. Um, and he's just there to check it out when he first gets to town. Oh, he's checking it out. She's checking yeah, it and she's hard. like, ooh, you shouldn't stare. Women like men who are more subtle or whatever. Yep. And he's just, like, really aggressive with her like hitting on her a lot well yeah I, ha- I had a note at some point like in their first proper library encounter where it's just like really heavy handed stuff that he's doing right and like for someone who theoretically has well I guess I guess it's suggested that after his marriage is mostly like hookup situations but yeah, still he's been doing a lot of like up. he has to be able to like spit better game than that I would think I don't even know. He just, like, wants to wear him down or whatever. Unless he thinks he just, like, gets over on, like, his hotness and charm and doesn't need to do that. But I kind of doubt it. I don't know. Maybe maybe New York City women are just like that. Mm. He's never met anyone like Lexi, though. She's, she's remarkable. So remarkable. Also, she has, quote, exotic violet eyes. Exotic? Yeah, he describes them as exotic on page 85. Okay. Which is exotic because no one has purple eyes. I remember him talking about her eyes. He also describes them on 92 as the color of kindness. So, just know. I noticed that, Nicholas Sparks. That is... That is bullshit. A terrible description of something. Yep. What is the color of kindness? It's not purple. It's like a blue-violet color, I no, guess. No, false. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's not that. No. But yeah, the way he's just, like, automatically, like, enraptured by her is weird. Like, I don't, I mean, she sounds okay, but not, like, exceptional. No, apparently she's hot, and she's a little bit sassy, and she's clearly smart. Yeah. Um, and is one of, like, two available women in this town. Well, it's, it's like, her and Rachel. Rachel the waitress. Yep. Rachel the waitress, who's in love with Rodney the sheriff. Who's in love with... Who's in love with Lexi. Yeah. Rodney the sheriff, who is very menacing. Yep. So he's like hanging out in his garage, pumping. Pumping iron. Iron. With the garage door open. Ra- Rachel stop by and talk to him every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Spot him. Oh yeah, she'll spot him. Yep. She'd love hard. to. Well, it's implied at the end that they're getting together. Finally, he's like, "Oh, I guess Lexi really doesn't love me." Yep. Yep. Even though Lexi tells Jeremy after they've hooked up, but he's about to leave town to go back to New York as scheduled, that she is going to marry Rodney just to make him go away. It's yeah. Like, how stupid can you be? It's pretty It's pretty extreme. Ugh. So dumb. I think that, that was maybe the one moment where I thought about, like, throwing the book. Just like, are you fucking kidding me? We're doing this now? Mm-hmm. Really? Really? Yeah, that's like a Hallmark movie slash K drama like. Uh, Although I was kind of, I was kind of complication. I was kind of hoping he would like chase her car. So there's that moment where he talks about like putting his hand on the car like as she drives away, uh-huh. and I really want him to like try to like run after it. But. Uh, I used to be friends with this guy in high school who um, is possibly a psychopath, um, but he could be very charming and fun. And um, he's been like a dick one night at this party we were at. A sober party because we were nerds and a lot of us were Mormons. And he like, we were driving, we were about to leave. My friend Julia was driving and he climbed onto the hood of her Ford Taurus and would not get off. And so she just started driving (laughs) and he fell off and he got really mad. And we were like, well, fuck you. Yeah, seriously. But we didn't say fuck you because of um, how we were goody two shoes. I don't know. She might have said fuck you. I didn't. But I was like, whatever. It's your own fault. Yeah, no, he was warned. It's not like you ran him over or anything. He just fell off the hood. He was so, fine. Yeah, whatever. He was fine. Fuck that guy whose name I won't say. Speaking of Ford Taurus, can I can I make a connection that I saw? Uh, there's a Ford Taurus in here? Yeah. But there's another thing. Yes, So please. I'm not sure what the pagination is in yours. It's on 25 in mine. Um. But he's talking about the uh, the previous, uh, the, like, Duke students that had come and done their own sort of investigation, mm-hmm. which sounded generally inconclusive, because didn't it just basically say, like, their instruments were operating properly? 
and they didn't have a ready explanation for it. Yeah. And that was the kind of extent of it. That's not 25 for me, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so he's talking about this and talking about their work, uh, and he says, um, uh, besides, if you'd learned anything in the past 15 years, it was to trust no one's work but his own. So I saw trust no one, and then a handful of pages later, Ford Taurus, which, you know, I think speaks for itself. If your rental car is a Ford Taurus, you're in an X-Files episode. Exactly. Ford Taurus, take a drink. Well, I imagined him, not a proto-molder, he's a very different character. Oh, God. In my my mind, I sort of, because I feel like there's got to be an X-Files where Mulder's rocking a, like, black turtleneck sweater at some point. Oh, he definitely wears some uh, mock turtleneck sweaters. Yeah, and so I think... Or mock turtlenecks. I think early on, that's how I was sort of picturing him. I think he's supposed to be more conventionally attractive than David Duchovny. Although David Duchovny, young David Duchovny, was very handsome. I would say David Duchovny is, like, borderline conventionally attractive. Yeah, he's... Especially when he was really young. Yeah. But just, like, big nose gangly. He's a little bit weird looking, but not in a bad way. Very important to my psychosexual development. Yes, yes. Red Speedo. (laughs) Hashtag Red Speedo. (laughs) Hashtag Red Speedo. You got a waterfall during that scene. Yep. Anyway, no, I just thought of that because it was just like these two passing references, but they were really close to each other, and I thought, like, okay, this is... I definitely wrote down something about the Taurus because of the X-Files. I know. Should we unpack this and see if they have, like, a Mulder-Scully dynamic? But they don't. Except she's the one who kind of believes in stuff. Right. He's a skeptic. Yeah. So it's like a, like a Doggett and Reyes thing? Don't speak the R word to <laughs> Doggett, Sorry. yes. Reyes, she does not exist. Uh, I wanted to talk about what Lexi's looking for in a man, if I may. Oh, you may. Page 115 in my book, but probably not in yours. Yeah, that's fine. Um, she's, okay, so she was like, in, she engaged or nearly engaged to that guy, Avery, her college boyfriend. Um... They were very clear. serious. Yeah, they were definitely very serious. She moved and lived in New York with him for a year and, like, interned at some fancy library or something. Yeah. Um, and then he had he cheated on her a bunch. And she, so she moved back to North Carolina. And then um, at some point, like, a few years ago, she's, like, 31 now. So in the meantime... Pretty, pretty much, you know, an old maid. Old maid, yeah. The grossest. She met a dude who was in town for the summer from Chicago doing some kind of work. I'm not sure what. Okay, thing for city boys. Hello. Uh, also, there's no one in their town. That's true. Um, and they had a fling that she apparently thought was more serious than it was. Slash, he was a jerk because he left without even saying goodbye. Just fucked up. And she Just refers to him as a... Mr. Maybe, Renaissance. Maybe that's the spectral element in this story as well. Oh, when, he ghosted on her! Chicago boy ghosts her. Renaissance man. <laughs> Mr. Renaissance. And those are kind of like the two big loves she's had. And then Rodney, the sheriff or deputy or whatever he is. He's just kind of like a placeholder. He's just like in She love sort with of her. feels bad for him too. She kind of feels bad for him and kind of just likes to have a little bit of attention. So she'll agree to go on a date with him like once a month, but like literally nothing happens. Um, but she doesn't want to settle, which like, girl, if you don't want to settle, then why have you settled in this town? But that's my issue. I guess. Bam. Um, but on one fifteen, she talks about how she wanted a man who is both sensitive and kind, but at the same time could sweep her off her feet. You. Uh, someone who could offer to rub her feet after a long day at the library, but also challenge her intellectually. It uh, wasn't too much to ask, was it? According to Glamour, Ladies Home Journal, and Good Housekeeping, all of which the library received, it was. Just such, such high standards. She wants a partnership. She doesn't want a relationship where the woman does all the work. Which, like, yes. But also, who wants to be swept off to our feet? What does that even mean? Well, yeah, it's just like, par- parts of it are not not certainly not progressive but like better not like inherently just like 50 style relationship stuff. I mean stuff. less conservative than a Hallmark movie because they fuck. Yeah so like I, I mean uh, excuse me make love and we get no details. 
I feel like there are, you know, moments where it's like, okay, this is a little bit different or a little bit interesting. Mm-hmm. But then, like, that just lapses back into that, like, Prince Charming crap. Mm-hmm. And does this stupid thing of, like... It's always sort of described about how she, like, plays coy or, like, won't tell him things unless he specifically, like, asks them. Yes. Which is so obnoxious. It's really annoying. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm a mis- mysterious woman. You don't know what I'm thinking. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There, mm, 171 in my version. They're talking, Jeremy and Lexi. Um, and he, she's talking about how he doesn't have an open mind about anything mysterious. And Jeremy talks about how women are a subjective mystery, not an objective one. Oh, yeah, I think I... You can't measure anything about them scientifically. Although, of course, there are genetic differences between the genders. Women only strike men as being mysterious because they don't realize that men and women see the world differently. And he talks about, like, evolution and preserving the species and shit. Um, And it's gross. And shut up. And also gross. Yeah, no, that's stupid. It's like, men only... Well, I mean, there's some truth to that. Like, men think that women are mysterious, but because they don't think that women are complex beings with their own emotions and motivations and, like, don't understand where they're coming from. Yeah. uh, And, like, living in a patriarchal society, they don't need to. So, um... We run things, bro. In our world now. So, fuck you, Jeremy Marsh, science reporter. Yeah. Yeah, no, that so was... What to say about that? Obnoxious. Just like, she's a mystery. And he's just trying to figure it out the entire time. It's like, no. I and feel she like, gives him a little bit of shit about it, but not as much as she should. I feel like what she wants is fairly standard and pretty transparent. Like, it's not that it's not that difficult to understand what's happening here. But Right? He's and not, he's... He, he's not a very perceptive person. He was married before. Like, he has an ex-wife, and, like, the reason that, well, for most of the book, we think that the reason is that he traveled too much for work and, like, didn't take care of the emotional side of their relationship. Which I'm sure was still a factor, but. Sure. But then he confesses the real reason to Lexi when they are at the cabin. Do you want to tell him what it is, Isaac? Shooting blanks, bro. Shooting fucking blanks. So little, little swimmers aren't doing their job. Wigglers, not wiggling. So, or maybe they're wiggling, but they're like fucked up ones, like the ones with like two heads. It's like a double tail. Like a double tail, yeah. Like going in a circle. Um, and she like refused to look into any kind of treatment or. Or I think about adoption of, or, or, or sperm donation or anything. Yeah, she's not on board with that, which to me is like symptomatic of other problems in the right. relationship. Right. I think if you're in it for the long haul, you'll figure something out. Like if you really want kids, you can acquire them. Yeah. Black market children. Right. Yeah, but that, that whole like this is the big reveal at the end. It's like, really? Like, yeah. That's what we were kind of building toward? Like I don't underwhelming. I, I want to point to a capital P problematic moment. Please do. Thank you for your support. That's what I'm here for, man. Um, so Jeremy and Lexi are joking about um, being old because I guess they're both in their 30s. I think he's in his later 30s. He's like 38, I think. Well, he has to be because the man's supposed to be older. That's how relationships right. work. Appropriately... Um, and he is joking around in a way that's supposed to be charming, I think. This is 155.56 in my book. Whenever I get worried about aging, I just start wearing my pants lower, flash the waistband of my boxers, wear my ball cap backward, and walk around the mall listening to rap. Oh, God, I forgot about that and then part. she giggles. That's so bad. So and you pretend to so be a black youth? Yep, yep, yep. Is what you're saying? Yep. Problematic, Jeremy. Well, and it's it's one of those like even in two thousand seven, that's a really dated image. It's one of those like ra- racist. racist jokes where he's like assuming like that she's automatically on the same page with him. She's like, hey, like black kids, right? And you know that's like the entire joke. Well, she laughs, so 
Uh, it's a pity laugh, maybe. I don't know. Hopefully, that might be a little generous. Well, it was an involuntary she's... giggle at the image. Yep. Yeah, and no, she's that's... enjoying his company. I think that's when they went to the cemetery together and saw the lights. After the uh, big party that the mayor put together with like all the local dignitaries. Mayor's party. There were so many cars at that party that Rodney said that it looked like a Barry Manilow concert. That's a, it's a contemporary reference. Yeah, he did. Rodney. Rodney strikes me as more of like a like a like John Cougar Mellencamp kind of man. <laughs> Which there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Right. But just like small town sheriff. He's really he 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 sings the hell out of like pink houses at karaoke. <laughs> Hard. Oh, Rodney. Rodney, Rodney, Rodney. Abusive cop with a heart of gold. Hmm. Not, well, gold might be generous. Oh, Pyrite. my favorite thing um, involving uh, clothing in this book is when um, Lexi gets kind of roped into going to this party as Jeremy's date. But she could have said no. Um, and she can't decide if she should try to look sexy or whatever. Um, so then she goes for professional librarian and puts on a brown pantsuit. Yeah, I like that. Which I respect. Pantsuit. Well, I mean, in Jeremy's eyes, she's just, like, so unbearably sexy that anything she wears would wear. Mm-hmm. It's the, like, restrained librarian thing where it just makes it hotter. Oh, yeah. So. I'm surprised she didn't take her hair out of a bun and, like, Oh, letting her hair down, and dude. And then, like, pull off her glasses. It was implied, I think. Yeah. It's like mousy librarian becomes, like, hot. She was hot the entire time, but... But after they go to the party and then they spend that time at the cemetery and they see the lights and he's like, OMG, and she tells him about how Doris took her to see the lights so she wouldn't miss her parents anymore or some shit when she was a kid. They're feeling all close or whatever and he tries to kiss her on the doorstep and she, like, makes an evasive mood. Stonewalls him. But then she he tries to push it. Because he is, uh, like, tone deaf. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, um, when she's like, listen, like, no. You're leaving soon, and you're going to hurt my feelings, and I don't want that. Yeah. No, I mean, she has a perfectly kind of, at least in that moment, perfectly sort of realistic grasp of things. Right. Right. And he says on 244 in my copy... Uh, with someone else, with anyone else, he would have said something flippant or changed the subject until he figured out another way to get through her door. Oh, he's going to get through her door. Which is a little bit rapey. It's rapey. Yeah, it's rapey. No means no, Jeremy. If someone says no thank you, good night, it's time to good night. He has de- He's definitely date raped someone. I don't know about date raped, but... Well, maybe not like... But, straight up, but has taken advantage of people who were, like, intoxicated. He's definitely... Yeah, it, there's been some situations in which he kept pushing. And... Yeah. Sleazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th- he just kind of has that vibe to him. That, that weird, like, sort of aggression thing all the time. That he's just, like... Right. Mo- moving at the speed of light. It's just like, bro, bro, you've been in town for, like, a day. I mean, I guess if you're just looking for a hookup, that's one way to do it. Just push for it until they finally say yes. But I feel like it's pretty apparent early on that this is, like, not a hookup. That he feels, like, differently about her. And so, like, change your tactics, bro. Or just, like, don't have tactics and just, like, be yourself even if it's boring and stupid. But allegedly he's charming. I disagree. Yeah. He thinks so anyway. But... Although compared to most of the other like male characters in the book, I suppose he is somewhat more polished. Like the like the most evolved. Yeah, because Rodney is like caveman cop. <laughs> the mayor is like crooked small town mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, his cameraman's like a parody. His mm-hmm. agent is a parody. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is there? I think that's about it for major male characters, at yeah, least. Yeah, there's some minor ones in the town. There's some townies, yeah. But, yeah. well, Tully, the gas station guy and stuff, I guess. But Jed, he's... the guy who runs the uh, um, 
like taxidermy museum slash uh, motel. Which honestly sounded kind of awesome to me. I mean, it sounded horrifying, like, but I want to stay in this place. Awesome. It'd be like the um, the villain's house in uh, Roadhouse. Let's hope the bear doesn't Roadhouse. fall on you. Roadhouse, so good. Classic <laughs> of American cinema. Um, I have a problem with the notebook subplot. With Doris's notebook? Right. Okay. So one of Doris's few psychic powers. She has feelings about things. Yeah, she doesn't describe as it as, as like her mother was. Straight up psychic, yeah. But she uh what are the things that she oh she can uh like divine water. Mm-hmm. It's a useful uh, skill. Yep, so she she a water witcher person. Um a dowser. And then she can also predict the sex of people's babies, which is no longer really a relevant skill. And she well, except for except for the the like extremely rural folk who don't have medical insurance, and right? Then, but I, so, but for decades, she's been doing this for people. People, pregnant women, come to her, and um, she holds their hand or whatever, and she has a feeling, and she tells them, and apparently she's always right. And she keeps a little notebook in which she writes down all the details. Um, and at one point gives it to Jeremy as like part of his quote research to show how she's psychic. And he's like, well, you could have only written down the times you were right, um, which is true. Yeah. And I just think it's like really kind of like shoehorned in there because it only becomes relevant in the very last page. Yeah, which is super forced anyway at the end but yeah I don't know if this is supposed to be like this immediate parallel at the beginning with this like pseudo TV psychic that he just sort of exposed and that is kind of his break yeah his big break or whatever and so you know Doris is like the real thing kind of and so it's like this small town mysticism kind of thing too that it's like oh well it's, it's a real thing here that this is you know how backwoods people are that they have these special kinds of skills or whatever uh, right, but yeah, it, it. I think that it happens at the beginning makes sense, but that it keeps happening or keeps getting mentioned is weird, right. and heavy-handed and ultimately unnecessary. Well, and spoiler alert: the very end, when Jeremy comes back to her, we find out that Doris has told her not only that she's pregnant because it's been like two weeks tops since they fucked. Well, and like they, but that they're having a girl, and they banged like a few times that one night. Well, maybe she was ovulating. I guess. Well, he's shooting blanks, so, and there was no mention of condoms. Well, she woke up as Wigglers. Hello. Apparently, they love but, to read. Yeah, my, my my note on that page at the ending is just dick miracle. So. <laughs> it's just so dumb. Like you don't need that. Yeah, no, there's no reason to have that. I think him coming back was sufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like, if that's his big thing, like his big secret shame, I feel like they should have revealed it way earlier. Um. Also, sidebar, but, like, am I wrong in that I was sort of expecting Doris to die towards the end? That it seemed like it was being oh, set yeah, up for that at various like, points? She's so tired. She's looking so worn out. Well, I think that time when he was going to... I guess it was maybe when he was going to go find her at the cottage or whatever, where he, like, went around to Doris's house to see if she was there. Uh, and, like, the to light... see if Lexi was there? Yeah. The lights were off or whatever, so mm-hmm. he said Doris was asleep. Like, I figured, A, either they're at the hospital because Doris is dying, mm. or B, he's going to, like, go inside and Doris will be dead. Mm. But she doesn't die. Not that I wanted her to, but it just seemed like it was kind of, like, headed that direction. Like, why mention her failing health if it's yeah. not going to go anywhere? Well, I guess the thing is, is that that's why Lexi wants to stick around. Yeah. It's because she worries about Doris, and her grandfather's dead, so Doris is alone now. Well, as I was, she's the one who raised her, so... As I was running scenarios in my head, I was thinking, well, like, Doris dies, and then she has nothing specific to tie her there. Right? So is that how this is going to play out, or... But she's in love with this town. For like, whatever reason. Yeah. I like, maybe they can move to Raleigh or something. I don't Is that how you say that? Research Triangle? Ra- Raleigh? Isn't that what that is? Raleigh? Raleigh, Durham, whatever. Charlotte? 
Chapel Hill? Yeah, it's where all Those colleges are, are, like Duke and stuff. It's that area. Yeah. But yeah, no, that that seems like it would be a compromise where she could still stay in the area. He could be in a larger sort of city, which probably would give him more work or at least could be like an operating base. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe eventually if they wanted to move to New York, they could. Although here's but the thing. it's like this like black or white either or kind of decision that right he, there's literally two ways to live yeah a rural tiny small town and yet at or the, New York City at the end they find a perfectly workable compromise so it's like why do we have to wait like 300 plus pages right. for this fairly obvious he solution there to reveal itself and it's like I can telecommute and I'll have to go to or New occasionally York fly up periodically yeah, yeah but like okay wasn't that hard no not that difficult at all. Although I guess he was the one all along, like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And she was like, no, <laughs> we won't. She's married to the town, man. She's a she's an institution there. I guess. Also, honestly, I wanted to see a little bit more of the, uh, when he, like, encourages, the, or he, he manages to convince the, like, curmudgeonly fisherman to give him a ride. Yeah. When he can't get the ferry. Like, that. That's that's gold. Why was that not included? I don't know. That was disappointing to me. It was just like, we're supposed to believe that they have this intense connection after a matter of a couple days and some flirtatious conversations, but like, I I was unconvinced. Well, and like, I, it seemed entirely plausible to me that she is just like one of those people who's a little bit flirty mm-hmm. and it's not like about him. This is just like how, how she is with people. And he's, like, over-reading that. Uh, but, yeah, the, like, instantaneous connection thing is weird. That's another, like, hallmarky kind of thing. Where, yeah. Like, you just know, like, right away that this is the person for you. It's like, it, I feel like that's generally not how that works. I mean, like, you and I kind of knew right away that this was a thing. Yeah. But I wouldn't have been, like, like two days into hanging out if you'd been like, oh, I'm in love with you. Yeah. It yeah. took weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It was, it was like forever. Uh, it takes me about a month to fall in love with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, yeah, I can understand there being an attraction or an idea that like, okay, this is something, this is different than, you know, relationships I've had previously. Yeah. Or this person's different. But like to automatically, like for them to mutually sort of fall that hard mm-hmm. just seems unlikely when i just saw no evidence for it yeah like in the text itself like evidence that this was a special connection it's just like yeah these are two attractive people who are youngish who um yeah i'd like each other but we're supposed to like be so excited that he like goes after her multiple times yeah i didn't i that was unsuccessful for me and just definitely made it a lot harder to sort of like care about or buy into it. Mm. We're just like, this just feels forced. It's coming out of nowhere. Like this is not, not that these stories are ever like plausible slash realistic, but like at least no. try. Yeah. Instead of just making it like this, like Insta romance. Uh, yeah. I get really frustrated with that when they take place over the course of like a few days or something. Like at least give us a couple weeks. Well, and, like, maybe he does the initial research for the story and um, goes back up and has a meeting with the producers and they want more local color or something, so he has to go back down and do additional right. and stuff. Right, he's using that as an excuse to see her again or whatever because he likes her. Right, see, that works if you're doing it over the course of a few visits, over the course of, you know, maybe a couple months or something, and, like, they, I don't know, send emails to each other or whatever in between. But like, mm-hmm. there's development, there's build-up, that it's not just, like... You know, he he looks at her eyes full of the color of kindness and is automatically <laughs> he's automatically in. Yeah, and she's just charmed because he's so smart and so confident and yeah. Well, and like you were saying before, like if you're looking for that in a person, like maybe this really claustrophobic sort of decaying small town isn't like the best place right. for you. Where like everyone's either married or dead. She really needs or to dead married. brush up that, like, farmer's only profile or whatever that she's been working <laughs> on. I know uh, she, well, she, 
she herself is not a farmer, but no. I imagine there would be lots of farmers-only profiles in that area. I would like to cover the um, the the most romantic part. Is there one? Well, when he after he tries to make a move on her and she's like no and then she disappears he figures out that she's gone to this like beach cottage that belonged to her parents that she told him about which is like a few hours away or whatever i have a counterpoint to this once you okay finish it but so he goes out there and surprises her and um she's like oh i'm really glad to see him or whatever and she's like making him dinner or whatever and then they both go to like take showers because they were like hanging out on the beach and then um well he was covered in a sheen of salt i think that was the description he doesn't have a razor though so he's gonna say stubbly and she's into it well just like get a shell from the beach they've got edges on them scrape that shit it's a Uh, classic ocean shave sorry (laughs) go ahead after showering She's like putting lotion on, and then there's this egregious part where it talks about. Oh, she's she, like rubbing her boobs with yeah, the lotion. Yeah, she puts it over her her breasts. Yeah. It's like gotta keep them moist, man. I don't put. I don't know. Maybe her boobs get dry. Boob lotion. Mine don't. Um, and then, yeah, she's like cooking dinner, and he, like, convinces her to dance in the kitchen. Like slow dance, which you like that's a movie move and nothing anyone's ever done in real life. Yeah, I know it's stupid. And they start making out. Any like private dancing scene like that is always dumb. And then she leads him to the bedroom and they make love for like Repeatedly. three hours or some shit. Yep, yep. Um But that only gets like a paragraph treatment, like we don't even get any payoff. Yeah. If there's supposedly this, like, electric spark between them, like, give me some evidence, Nicholas Sparks. Give me the goods. It doesn't have to be Fifty Shades of Grey, but there's, like, a huge spectrum of, like, sexiness. Yeah, I feel like there's a happy medium there of, like, describing something, giving us, yeah, some evidence that there's, like, this overwhelming passion and, like, automatic connection between them. Like, if they're so compatible, they should be, like, knocking it out of the park here. Yeah, seriously. But. Yeah, I'm unconvinced. Um. Can I, can I mention my counterpoint? Yes. So, like, he does this, like, stereotypically kind of grand romantic gesture of, like... Of stalking. Going all out to try to find her and paying off these fishermen and doing this big thing and having this, like, nuanced understanding of, like, where else would she be? Of course, this is where she is. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this, like, build-up and then the, like, largely anticlimactic sort of sex description. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, the next morning, she's, like, kind of freaking out a little bit. Yeah. And the deal breaker is that he doesn't know her parents' names. And so how how much do they know about each other? It's like you've known each other for, like, two days. Yeah. Like, how is he going to know you that know information? You know his parents' names. You know his mom's Italian because he mentioned it. Yeah, because he gives information and you retain that information. She even... She yeah, may, she's very closed off. She maybe once mentioned it in passing what her parents' names were. I don't think she ever mentioned it. But, I don't believe that she it was ever mentioned before that moment but either way even if she did it's like dude it's like this is a minor detail like you're just looking for excuses to make this not happen i've had stupid a lot of dicks in me before i told my parents names (laughs) or probably never told them most of them never told my parents names oh that's the first thing i do (laughs) yeah i did think it was a little weird when we met and you were like I'm Isaac. I just did a bunch of shots of, like, Kamchatka. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was Kamchatka, actually. <laughs> Here are my parents' first names. The finest of vodkas. <laughs> Although, you did go to lunch with my dad, like, within the first week we were hanging out. I know, I did. Because I just, like, brought you along. And and you went to the birthday dinner. Well, because we were just, like, hanging out constantly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So but what, even what, still, I wasn't like, I'm in love with this guy. I was just like, I really like him. No, it was like, this This is interesting. Let's see where this goes. Let's pursue this. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that's that's a reasonable way for this to play right. out. In a fairly accelerated timeline, but, like, yeah. a realistic one. Right. Not, yeah. you know, falling head over heels in, like, a day just because she was, like, a little bit sassy with you. Yeah. Like, who is he? What, like basic ass hose is he meeting in new york city that she seems this exciting 
And for all his, like, kind of cockiness, like, I would have been giving him so much more shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, she's, she's... hot dudes with that kind of confidence need to be knocked down, which is my jam. And maybe why super hot dudes with that kind of confidence uh, enjoy sparring with me but aren't trying to fuck me. Also, I'm, like, super married. I don't know if you knew that. So married. But... Got, like, 20 rings on just to let him know. Yep. Well, I have seven rings. One for each year we've been married. I put I put all the rings on it for proprietary purposes. Yeah. Although technically I bought my own wedding band for $4 on Amazon.com. I Amazon. bought mine too. From Walmart. Only the finest. Yours is fancier. Yeah. I just remember there's this part uh, sort of towards the end. It's two sixty nine in mine, so it's different years, I guess. But um, where they're talking about modern culture. Mm, it and has its seductions. Well, and she's, well, but she's working through this idea of like, Modern culture tells you to be famous, to be rich, to be beautiful, but then all these people are on drugs or they have these divorces or they get, like, arrested or something. So, like, how good is modern culture anyway? Right. There's well, And, like, that's the idea that that's the only thing that people live in cities for? Yeah. Or even, like, Jeremy, who is pursuing a career and there's a possibility he might be able to go into television... Like, he doesn't see... He doesn't strike me as, like, some kind of, like, star fucker or something. Like, he want, like he wants to have a successful career because being a freelancer is really hard, so he wants more steady work and TV pays more. He wants to, he wants to be able to charge for his lancing. Exactly. But, like, it's... Yeah, it, it's just this really weird, like, m- like mega exaggerated dichotomy yeah between like yeah fast track new york and like slow-paced middle nowhere family values bullshit well this is one of like maybe a couple moments where i saw there being potential redeeming value Mm -hmm. in the book where it's like okay this could be an interesting sort of point about like celebrity culture or something like that Mm -hmm. um doesn't go that direction the other one um it's on 124 in mine. Um, I think this is one of the discussions about, like, where, where they're talking about sort of the advantages of small towns, or she's making the argument for small towns being uh, whatever, and I think he's sort of buying into it to a certain degree, the, like, idyllic kind of idea of it. And then she gets real for a minute and is talking about, like, well, you know, all the factories are closing, people don't value education in the same way. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to leave, um, that she made the choice to stay there because she likes it. But yeah. not everyone has that choice. And so it's like for a paragraph, there's an interesting sort of, you know, semi-critique of this, like romanticizing small towns and, you know, diminished possibilities. And there are all these mm-hmm. mentions made of um, the population sort of declining and people moving away and not wanting to stay there. Right. And, and like the young people live there anymore. Blah, blah, there's blah. a lot to be said about that. And that could be really interesting. But mm-hmm. it just like evaporates never appears again well, and, and like he, i wouldn't expect there to be like nuanced crit- cultural critique in, <laughs> in a novel like this no. but like give it a couple pages there's something interesting there well and there's you know there's a, a, maybe it's that same conversation or maybe it's a different one in which jeremy points out like i understand what it's like to grow up in a community i grew up in this neighborhood and insert correct borough here is the bronx or somewhere yeah but but he grew up in an area of New York w- with his five brothers, and they had a very close neighborhood and a community where people looked out for each other. And, like, that can exist in an urban area that's not special. Well, yeah, her, her ideal of, like, community where everyone knows each other and they look out for each other and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's nothing inherently, like, rural about that. Right. It's the default in the rural area because there's no other options. Right. <laughs> These are the right. people around. You know them all. Right. But that can exist in a heavily populated area. It can exist in a suburb. It can exist anywhere if people make it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's not like he had like some kind of like hard, uh, like on the streets kind of childhood it sounded pretty like standard yeah not like he was like super affluent but like a a solidly like middle class ish yeah upbringing he has a bunch of siblings and they are still close and they all still live in the city and um seem happy 
and like yeah it's not her her life isn't special in fact her life is probably harder than his because yeah. her parents died when she was like three yeah and she got raised by her grandparents and like you know didn't have a ton of money and blah 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 like yeah i don't know whatever yeah fucking lexi yeah that just seems like missed opportunity to me though that there's like there could be something kind of interesting here I had one question from Facebook. I just posted it this evening, so I didn't get a lot. Um, but my sister was particularly excited about this uh, this reading choice. Um, and so she asked a question about it. Um, how dysfunctional is the central romantic relationship on a scale of problematic to abusive? I'd say low problematic. Yeah, it's definitely not abusive at all. No, it's... It's if anything, it's uninteresting. Yeah. There's that stuff where he's like really pushy at first, but I don't. He's not an abusive person. I don't think. No. He doesn't. He's not controlling. I think it's just problematic. If for no other reason than the just like ridiculous kind of stereotypical nature of it, where it's just like this is problematic because it's like emotional volatile woman like cold rational man yeah no it's very it's very heteronormative yeah but i mean what are you expecting from fucking nicholas Sparks? well yeah again the subtlety is not that's not what he's going for and that's not what we expected or we're even looking for well and i would think most readers coming to this are thinking like i don't want that you know i just want this like comfort food right no i don't want to be challenged by this yeah no Mm mm-mm I just can't imagine anybody loving this book or, like, crying over it or anything. They're just... The plot just doesn't hook me. No. Well, and, like, I think it's the kind of thing that... There are aspects of each of them that I think are okay, but, like, I... Yeah. ...was never really invested in either character. I'm not Mm -hmm. rooting for them, like, oh, man, I really hope they get together at the end. Just, Mm -hmm. like, whatever. I was like, he'll be fine. And she's closed off, and that's what she wants. Yeah. So... Okay. Yeah. And then Doris has to intervene. Also, now they're having a baby girl, apparently, so. Well, and I like that her her thing is to, like, she's just going to, on the spur of the moment, fly up to New York City and, like, go to his apartment. The Doris. Yeah, the grandmother. She's and there then, for, like, like, 20 minutes, and she's like, well, well yeah, then, like, I've got a flight to catch. A fly back. <laughs> in a snowstorm. Yeah. yeah. Just came to see if you're in love with her, too. Fuck. And then well, he's like, oh, and then I he, guess like, I should go after he her. He miraculously makes his flight, which is awful. Oh, the, he makes the same flight. Yeah. yeah. And then... Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's dumb. There's a lot of, like, magical grandma stuff happening there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but... Yeah. Yeah, so I guess overall less offensive or kind of awful than I expected but it I to really be. I really thought I might hate Nicholas Sparks, but I was just kind of like, meh. This but is an easy read. I feel like it would have been better if I hated it because yeah, I would have had like more emotional involvement or reaction to yeah. it mm-hmm. instead of my verdict is just like meh. Yeah. You know, I see why some people could be into this. I'm not. Whatever. It was a pretty good vacation read. I tried to kind of hide that I was reading a Nicholas Sparks book, but. I definitely hit it when I was reading some uh, when my students were doing like their writing workshop the other day. <laughs> you put a book cover on that was like. <laughs> I just kept like, it below the like level of the... Like Holocaust and stuff. Below the level of the desk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you just don't lift it up. You kind of hold it And it had a ready sort of reply if anyone saw it. Just like frame it in book club terms. And that we were sort of like semi-hate reading it. Sure. But... All right. Well, that was Nicholas Sparks' True Believer. Who is the true believer? Is it Jeremy who's the true believer in love? I think Doris is the only one who believes stuff. Maybe... Who gives a shit? Yeah. There's nothing to believe in here. There's no ghosts or anything. Yeah, that was really disappointing. So disappointing. False advertising, Nicholas Sparks. Ugh, bullshit. Well, what are we reading next time? Uh, we decided to take turns choosing books. Okay, uh, so The Gollum and the Ginny is what we're reading next. Wecker is the author's last name. I don't know her first name but all right it's it sounds kind of, it's supernatural historical fiction yep and i'm pumped yeah no i think it should be good it sounds good so so if you'd like to read along that is what we are reading next 
people have, I don't know, questions or something if they read or just want to know about stuff that's happening or specific things we should sort of talk about. I don't know. Yeah. If you want to get into contact with us, yeah, questions about that book, anything we've read, any or, suggestions. I guess suggestions for future reading. For future we have... books, good or bad. We look for both kinds of books um, or like this, super mediocre. Um, you can email, email us at couplesbookclubcast at gmail.com. We have a website, couplesbookclubcast.blog. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter uh, at DinoLoreRexNut. Um, yeah, again, you can listen to us uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Um, please rate and review uh, us. Subscribe. That would be awesome. And um, yeah, I think that's here. Here? I think that's all. <laughs> yeah, here. And here. That's okay. all from here. You're, you're bored into like incoherence by this book yeah kind of um that's all from our couches for Feel this that. week anything else beardo that's that's all i have all right well we will see you next time um don't um leave your small town because your man of your dreams will come find you i guess yeah your tiny world is easily controllable don't mess with it <laughs> that's the moral <laughs> Mm.